Hello and welcome to Only Fools and Brotherly Forces, the Only Fools and Horses rewatch podcast with me, Bobby, and my brother, Jamie. Good evening, Jamie. Good evening, Bob. How's everything going? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Can't complain. Yourself? Yeah, really good, thanks, mate. Uh, in high spirits after a few good things this week, one of them definitely uh, being this episode. It's it's a favourite, possibly up there with some of the one of the best episodes in the first few series. Very memorable. Um, some really good stuff in there, so I was excited to watch it, and it and it didn't disappoint. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, it, and it's the first time we've had what feels like just a proper bottle episode for a little while. We've had all these for a while that have kind of been connected, and there's been a lot of other stuff going on with Albert and Grandad and blah blah blah. And this is just a, a normal it's business as usual now. Yeah, it is. It's back. It's back. It's back to the real meat of what Only Fools is all about. Just these little one-off concepts, and uh, yeah, it's good fun. Excellent. Well, uh, I think we should get straight into it then. So, series four, episode four. It's only rock and roll. Um, so we're opening up somewhere a bit more random today. Not exactly sure where it is, but they've just done a deal for some dodgy dolls, and Rodney's on the phone, sounding a bit like some kind of dude, Joker, you know, working out the mans and thinking he's all cool. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. It's so random, and he's never done it before or since. Great man, no sweat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they start talking about this band straight away. Um, and one of the first things that comes up is about mental Mickey. I don't know what you want to waste your time with that bunch of wallies for. They're not a bunch of wallies. Anyway, you haven't even heard us play yet. <laughs> I don't need to, do I? I know who your lead singer is. Mental Mickey. Oi, there's nothing wrong with Mickey Maguire. <laughs> nothing wrong? Only bit of blokes ear off once, that's all. Not all of it. It's funny actually, I thought about that. When I think of people biting people's ears off, of course I instantly think of Tyson and Amanda <laughs> yeah, Holyfield. Yeah. And so I just checked when that was because I wouldn't remember. And it and it was quite a long time afterwards. That was in ninety seven and this is in uh, I think eighty five or maybe eighty four. Um so you know, Mental Mickey is the original ear biter. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a drum and bass song? <laughs> Oh, that's original nutter, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Dell's being very cagey about these dolls. Del, uh, Rodney's asking some questions, and he's saying they're you know they're near perfect. And the first thing that Rodney does is have a little peekaboo up the skirt, like the real perv that he is. And that just reminded me how much of a perv he is. I'm pretty sure that there's like a lot more perverse things to come from Rodney as we move forwards. Yeah, he definitely plays up to that throughout. I really liked the little list that Rodney gives here of what type of stock is this, because yeah. it, it really kind of like it's a nice summary of how they how they work. What we bought anyway? Hmm? Oh no, it's obvious, isn't it? Sausages. <laughs> it's talking dolls, isn't it? I know that. I mean, what sort of stock is it? I mean, is it bankrupt, fire damage, water damage, soiled, or just plain okay? Yeah, I thought exactly the same, actually, that they are getting all sorts of random stuff. Anything that can be discounted, he's, you know, he's got an eye on, try and make a little cheeky deal out of it and sell it for probably close to full retail. Yeah, I mean, why not give it a bash? I mean, 
is this becomes more of a joke I feel in these coming seasons than it has been previously about all these rejected and and kind of faulty stock. We've had it a little bit. I mean, of course, it's a big premise of the very first episodes, the suitcase that can't be opened. Um, but I feel like it's not been many where it really becomes like a joke of the week from now on. Like, what is the piece of shit they're selling this week? And yeah, it's good fun. It does become a bit more uh, integrated within the storyline, the, the stock. Although we have obviously had loads of different stuff already. You know, we've had the... Uh... The Siamese cats that played how much doggy, and we've had the briefcases. You know, that there has been some real quintessential only full stock coming through, but um, I think it does continue just to become more part of the uh, the story as we go on. But Del is saying that it's you know, it's good. He actually says a French phrase that it's par excellence, which is better than the similar or the best of the bunch, as it were. Um, and yeah, as he walks away, we get a little reason as to what why it is discounted stock. What's up, Dad? Oh, oh, I thought you said something. So scene two is in the flat. Uh, Albert is helping himself to a cigar and some booze and and, uh, singing a nice little song. The wind is blowing... The snowy, snowy, no, no. Get your thieving hands off. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. In fact, I, I, this is uh, a real expat problem here. I actually struggled to find a, find a better term than a Norwegian one for what's going on here. I just, I wrote like Albert Korsaseg, which is like Korsaseg, is like hygge, that Danish word that has become quite popular. Nor- Norwegian has a similar word. That Danish word that's become quite popular, where? Uh, it's it's like a thing in in like uh, Brit, uh, in American and English culture of like hygge. What's the word? Hygge. Never heard of this before ever. It's to do with like coziness and you know being all nice and warm and cozy and candles and wine and chilling out and stuff. And and Norwegian has a word for it as well. And that is kind of like the best description I have of what was going on here. Like Albert's like. He's, you know, wandering around, having a little song, having a cigar, and then pouring himself a glass of cognac. He's having a great, great time. Till he gets caught red-handed, of course. That's funny, because I just called it taking the piss, which I think is pretty spot on as well. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, our different perspectives on that. <laughs> but yeah, Dale's, Dale's not up for it, and uh, there's a lot of sort of misspoken words in this entire episode. You know, the sort of Dale-isms. When he's mm. saying things wrong, um, there's two in the same sentence here. He's saying "cavossieri," uh, and he also says uh, "moulinar rouge" instead of "moulin rouge." So it's "cavossieri." I only learnt to pronounce quite recently. <laughs> like for years, I'd never heard anyone say it, and I never used to ever drink cognac. And it was only a couple of years ago when I kind of started to drink a bit of cognac here and there. I was like. I know that's not how you say it, but I don't actually know how you say it because I've never heard anyone say it's it. Cavossier, no. Yeah, it's Cavossier, yeah. Oh, cool. I'll make sure I haven't yeah. been saying it wrong for 10 years. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he just adds like another three syllables or whatever, but I was never sure. And in true Dell fashion, Dell has somehow instantly sniffed out an opportunity from, you know, the, the middle of nowhere. And in all honesty, this for me has probably got to be one of his worst ideas ever. It's certainly the biggest punt. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. That is exactly what it is. It's one hell of a punt. I mean, it's guaranteed money because he's getting it in advance. So it's kind of yeah. brilliant. And you know, the only thing they're really losing is going to be pride and, you know, potentially part, parts of their ears and other parts of their body. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a hell of a punt. 
So basically, the, the, the plan is he's found out that a local Irish pub has lost their band for St Paddy's Night, which is coming up this week, which is obviously biggest owner of the year. And so he's put two and two together and gone, someone needs a band. I've heard of a band that exists. Not that he knows anything about them, never heard them play or anything. But he's going to put two, two, two and two together and make himself um, 300 quid, which is not to be sniffed at. Yeah, we get a little taste of Albert here. I mean, as we looked on this series, we're going to get uh, some introductions to some of the parts of Albert's personality. And one of them is is him saying that he's not going to get involved and he's not going to share yeah. his opinion, closely followed by him giving his opinion and, and just being a bit of a dick. Uh, and that, that sort of happens quite a lot. So it's certainly a bit of a Uncle Albertism, as it were. Yeah, Yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, so he picks up the phone to the Shamrock Club and plays a really nice tune by The Bachelors, My Diane. My Diane. And this Jim. is um, a bit of a stroke of genius here, how he decides to basically use the things around him to make it sound like he's in a hall listening to the band. It's it's a bit of genius, really. Speak. Yeah, the, the the highlight of that little exchange has to be when uh, he says he's going to go close the door, and he literally does the hand gesture. To, yeah, like, like when he's wafting. wafting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's wafting the music to the telephone before then closing the door. And what he does here, like acting, we talked about David Jason. Uh, sorry, Del Boy's acting ability in the very last episode when he was on the stand talking in court and he's kind of doing the same thing here but this is like extra physical and he's like you know timing the door closes with the music going up and down and he's really playing the part and uh, it's a lot of fun I think that something like that that little wave could easily be something that David Jason ad-libbed on there like yeah. I could imagine it wasn't on the script and it's the sort of thing that he would do that sort of additional physicality which just kind of is the cherry on the top to the whole bit for me for sure yeah uh, yeah the, the timing of it all is just very nice and then of course the conversation ends ends when he's made the deal with this great little moment <laughs> Tell stories about you and your business activities. I never believed them up until now. Get in, get out, don't look back. That's my motto. <laughs> that just that little laugh there is one of the like properly most memorable bits of the entire show. Just just uh, something about that laugh and that that dance he does when he's managed to base. I mean, he's just basically in five minutes. He's gone from nothing to 300 paid in advance. Like, he now can't lose. Yeah, done. Yeah, happy Larry. He's He's got it all. It, it is brilliant. And, uh, yeah, I feel like that snicker is something that we did a lot to each other as well, like, growing up. Like, it's a very quotable thing. And uh, he then, of course, gives that, that great line about, you know, how, his, his motto for business. And that's another, like, great... Sum- I feel like this has been a very good summary episode. Like, this might be a really good first episode for people because they, I feel like there's a lot of, uh, like, reminding everyone of the background. Of mm-hmm. Maybe because we've had all these other episodes that have been a bit a bit more storyline-based and, and a bit deeper, that they're kind of just reminding everyone what the meat and drink of Only Fools... The core concepts. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it it does feel like a bit re- a bit of a refresher episode. Yeah, for sure, uh, and that's completely uh, understandable. Although all of the scripts were written prior to everything kicking off, so it, it may mm. feel like it, but it's probably just a you know subconscious um, thing. So just before Dell walks out, Albert, after his you know he's sticking his nose in, is is saying that you know he hope he doesn't let it slip out, and basically you know plays a blackmail card and manages to blag himself a bottle of the Cavossier and Dell's a little bit knocked but when he closes the door he's still so happy that he just gives a little cheeky smile before he walks out he doesn't really care yeah and it's just like you're an absolute you know blackmailing old bark but that's that's what 20 quid worth of brandy knock yourself out <laughs> go for it yeah, I'll spread around my winnings. Because if you are the best, but you don't ask questions, then brother, I'm your man. Um, so see you next scene, and um, we are in the town hall. Um, we open to them playing the song, and, and Mental, Mental Mickey is doing exactly that. He's being mental. But uh, realistically... The charisma that Mental uh, Mickey is exuding is actually something that's quite desirable. It's it's very likened to a front man of a band. You know, so many front men are fully insane and have all sorts mm. of problems because they can, you know, really convey weird emotion and be attracted, attractive, yeah, attractive not necessarily physically, but like attract attractive in regards to someone you want to watch that charisma and he really has it and it's something I never really again thought about until they came in and just the look of him and the way that he's just like proper into it I was like actually that's kind of a not bad looking band you kind of want to see what they're going to do they do have some sort of appeal there well, I, th- I think Mickey has appeal like you said Mickey looks like a good front man um, and yeah, his look is good. I mean, he reminds me of just Vivian from The Young Ones the whole time. Vivian! 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 Honestly, whenever anything explodes in this house, it's always blind Vivian! <laughs> the way he's very shouty, the clothes he's wearing, everything, that whole, like, Marxist, anarchist kind of thing going on. Um, but the rest of the band is, is it is very budget. I mean, oh, yeah, you've got the two, got the two guitar players who you can't barely here and then you got Rodney drumming away in a couple of boxes and a you know although to be fair with some rhythm yeah not bad at all not bad I mean, no, it's, not, it's not simple simple sticking Nicholas and Hurst done alright he, he certainly has made it look quite natural which is not a bad uh, thing at all but talking about the band did you rec- did you recognise one of the actors there quite a famous yeah of course actor. yeah 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 so we've got David I honestly say his name Thulis Thulis Who's known for his role in Harry Potter? I can't remember the character that he plays. One of the Lupin. one of the teachers, Lupin. Um, but he was an unknown at this stage. I mean, he'd... it's literally his first acting credit on IMDb. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Very first. That is mental, isn't it? Um, but prior, I mean, his IMDb is insane, though. I mean, mm. he has been working, doing multiple projects every year for about thirty years. It's been quite quite mad. Yeah, um, it, it... So he does look very young. In this, certainly wet behind the ears, but must have done him some justice. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, that it was very, it's very fun to see now, like 
a person who's become such a big actor and on the complete opposite side of the fence the other guitar player is a complete unknown who didn't have another acting credit after about 1980, 1986 mm. uh, so he's kind of gone either end of the spectrum there so Dell basically talks them into playing and Rodney goes to uh, count them in but it doesn't go down very well one, two, three. I do the one, two, three, fours. Yeah, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> and Dale comes up with the uh, line asking me if you've ever been to uh, Rampton. Did you look into Rampton? Um, I'd not heard of Rampton, but I'd heard of Broadmoor, which he mentions. Yeah, so similar, similar idea. Rampton was a secure, high-security high psychiatric hospital. It's in uh, Nottingham, Nottinghamshire in England. Um, so he hadn't been there, but had been to Broadmoor, which is as bad, if not worse. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> isn't Broadmoor even more like... Uh, notorious. Uh, notorious is the word I'm looking yeah. for. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've never interrupted. <laughs> but I, I, I can't lie, honestly, I, I can't help but dig Mickey's vibe. There's something about him, where he just, like I said, he's just oozing charisma. When they've gone through that whole Rampton bit, and then Rodney goes, one, two, again... And then he shouts out again. I told you once, Rodney, I'm not going to tell you again, son. I do not want to do this <laughs> There's something about him. I just love to watch him. Yeah, that, and Rodney looked absolutely terrified when he shouts <laughs> in the second time. He's like a little kid being told off by the headmaster. It's uh, Yeah, it that is brilliant. Um, so they start playing and, and Del is basically sniggering because it's so poor. Um, it probably isn't quite as poor as Dell's making it out to be, but it's certainly not great. That was a. I was wondering what you thought about that because that that is kind of the whole premise now for the next couple of minutes is that they are absolutely atrocious. At least Dell thinks so. Yeah, I mean it's it's standard band just started out, so it, I certainly heard worse attempts. There's some sort of rhythm and mm. uh, togetherness going on, but it, I mean it's it's far from a polished article. Yeah, I kind of liked I liked the way they played it because I think, like you say, it's it's pretty standard. They they could have made it comically, deliberately crap, and maybe that wouldn't have worked for the whole story going forward. But yeah, it's it's by no means like a. I mean, it's not even a rough diamond. It's literally just three ran four random guys jamming. Yeah, yeah, it's it's perfectly acceptable for where they're at. But Douglas from sniggering kind of composes himself, and he comes out with some drivel about basically how surprised he is that they're actually quite good and just basically chats a load of stuff and blows some smoke up their ass. I think it says a lot that Dell interrupts them after only about 10 or 15 seconds that he can't <laughs> believe this too much or he would have been desperate to hear some more. Like he, he interrupts them so early <laughs> he couldn't have been enjoyed it that much and he's he's barely sampled it. Yeah, and he does the, the classic Dell move. He dangles a little hook for the fishies and then starts to walk away and obviously it's enough to get the bunch of wallies to take the bait and, and Mickey sort of chases him down and asks him if he's going to put his money where his mouth is. I really liked the uh, the, the moment here because I thought it really summed up Rodney in many ways when they said they wanted to be rich Marxist Trotskyite anarchists because <laughs> I feel like that is that is very normal for I mean even now like you know liberal students you know of which in many ways i am one are all hypocrites and it's all like you know very anti-establishment but we'll have some extra money if it's going yeah yeah still still happy to be a bit capitalist (laughs) yeah exactly you know when it suits them and and that is like uh that's the thing that's been going on for well probably the 80s is 
when that really started in, in England, at least that idea. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. So yeah, Doe is promising all new instruments and gigs and all this sort of stuff, and he comes out with a classic line. This time next year, we're going to be millionaires. I can see it now. The Albert Hall, Carnegie Hall, the Hollywood Bowl, the revolutionary new sound of pop protest. And they swallow it all up, and Dell exits walking away and just bursts out laughing when he gets around the corner. And... Honestly, this is one of those times where I'm kind of curious about his conscience. <laughs> like, he knows that they're horrendous, but he's really happy to just throw them to the drunken Irish wolves and and just see what happens. I mean, diddly diddly music is bloody hard to play at the best of time anyway. I mean, they're going to turn up and start playing their own music or God knows what. It's going to go down horribly. Yeah, it, it, I'm, I was a bit confused by all of this kind of bringing together because... Dell sells them as um, the Bachelors kind of style, which wouldn't really seem appropriate for an Irish pub anyway, so I wasn't really sure what all that was about. They're meant to be more Frankie Goes to Hollywood. And if anything, I would have thought that would have gone down better, but whatever. I mean, the fact they're rubbish is never going to help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so no matter what style you are, if you're crap, then it's fairly irrelevant. But yeah, that's um, it, it is certainly questionable. Yeah, questionable enough that what happens is it fades out, we fade into screams, which is quite a violent <laughs> scream. This whole scene is really, like, unique. For only It's very weird, because so little is, is said or explained. Like, Only Fools is, if nothing else, broad. Like, mm. it is a mass appeal comedy. And, you know, then... All the jokes are very much there on a plate, and that could be a really nice thing. Where here it's a bit like, okay, there's obviously... I, f- I feel a little bit like I'd like some more information about exactly what happened. Like, did they get in a fight just because Mickey's a mentalist? Or did they hate the music because they hate the music? Or did they hate them because they were crap? Or did they just look mental? Did they not even get to start playing? Did they literally walk in, look at the white suits and go, riot? No, <laughs> I think... Uh... I think it, I think it's good left unexplained, like the fact that you can build that up to yourself, and there's a whole world of possibilities, you know, like artwork or photography and so on. Sometimes something with no caption, you kind of make up your own story for it, and I really like that. But it is so full on. I mean, the the scene, just that scene, is very well done. All the actors, you know, the the reoccurring and extras are like properly doing their bit to look. Uh, really quite um, startled and scared and they're like running out of there with their instruments and it's just all like properly horrible but funny at the same time because we're still laughing at it and it just all for me works absolutely brilliant so they're leaving in the car and they realize they've left Mickey and he was just happy throwing haymakers he's just (laughs) there swinging away just living his living his life living his best life I'm not sure how happy he was, or if maybe he was just accepting of his lot. Because Del he literally look- smiled. He's he, Del said, "Oh, he's happy enough." That cuts back to Mickey, and he looks at them. He smiles and is like, "Come on!" I, fa- I found like it was more of a growl, like, a, "All right, if I'm going to be stuck here, I'm going to get stuck in." You know. Either way, ledge definitely a ledge. So we cut to the garage and Rodney is walking to the police and it's another brilliant 
David Jason moment and classic uh, Only Fools moment as Dale comes around the corner with a box on his head and the box stays still on his body switches like a really old school robot or something and yeah. uh, he walks away like double time and it's very funny that is really good I feel like that should be a gif <laughs> yeah. a that really is great gift. I'm going to make that into a gif an only fools and brotherly forces gif that is a great idea <laughs> So yeah, basically Rodney's reporting this all the equipment stolen to the old Bill because uh, he didn't realise that Della got it on sale in return. So he thinks it's all been half inched. Um, but then Dale comes around the corner, he explains everything and eventually manages to uh, get the copper to, to disappear before he starts uh, poking his nose around any of the other interesting equipment they might have uh, sitting around a garage. Yeah, it's a, a really brilliant moment. And it, it's funny. The subconscious is a really weird thing. Hey, so this week, for no reason that I could uh, viably realise, I've quite literally been saying sobs. I think I said to something like mum or someone else, I was like, oh, you know, it's 100 sobs or whatever. And I just had it in my head all week. And I've said it about three, four times for no reason. And then it came up on this, and while they're having a chat, one of the things Del says is, you know, you've made yourself 150 sobs. And I was like, there it is. And I was like, I must have just subconsciously known that it was in the episode I was about to watch. That's that's really, really obscure, isn't it? That is pretty random. I, I'm pretty I've, sure it hasn't been said in the last few episodes. I'm not sure. He, he does say it occasionally, but I don't instantly record it. Did you think that were you really surprised he gave Rodney half the money? Yeah, definitely. I, I said exactly <laughs> that. I said it's uh, really weird that, that Dale has decided to actually give him, you know, half of the money. But there's there's loads to talk about in the in the garage before they even get to the money. Dale is saying about uh, that Rodney shouldn't believe the stuff he was talking about. You didn't you didn't honestly believe all that rubbish, did you? That you and them Wallies were destined for the Albert Hall, Carnegie Hall. The only all you was destined for was sod all, that's where. <laughs> and yeah, Rodney says that they've had a falling out because he was defending Dell and doesn't like to hear bad stuff about him, even though Rodney knew that they were correct. So after all the shit that he'd done, I mean, bear in mind Rodney has turned up to a gig where he's despised, run away, essentially got into a fight. He's still prepared to defend Dell, knowing that he's basically been a dick. Yeah, it, it's an odd one. This whole this whole scene's a bit a bit weird because then, obviously, we feel sorry for Rodney, and you're meant to think Dell's done wrong, but he's given him some money, and he's kind of pointing out to Rodney, and quite rightly so, that it was never actually going to go anywhere. The chances were basically non-existent, so to walk away with 150 quid and a bit of an experience is kind of a you know nothing ventured, nothing gained type situation. So I feel like. Dell doesn't look that bad at this point when we talked about before, you know, Dell being a bit immoral. I feel like he doesn't come out too bad from this scene. Maybe not, but one of the things that really interests me and a point I was just curious to actually open about talking about was Rodney says to Dell literally something about, uh, you know, you've got a problem and you don't want me to succeed and, you know, you, you stick your nose in and stick your oar in and, and uh, you, you obviously have a problem with succeeding. And I was thinking, is there actually a, a malicious bit of Dell that he isn't doing on purpose that quite genuinely doesn't want him to 
succeed? Or is it because he doesn't want to lose Rodney within the business, even though he's fairly useless? Like, is Dell actually codependent on Rodney? And if that's the case, is he actually not on purpose sabotaging a lot of the stuff that he does? Because it's a standard story, and he does do it all the time. Like, it's an interesting thought, I thought. Yeah, I, t- I did think about that because, of course, that's what Rodney says. But to be honest, I look at this as, you know, don't be silly, Rodney. Like, Dell obviously does want the best for him. And if he was part of anything actually decent, Dell wouldn't have done this. But Dell knew it was just some silly phase he'd do for a week and thought it'll just be a nothingness. And so why not all just make a couple of quid out of it? I think he's I think he's not he doesn't he's not maliciously trying to ruin anything because as far as he he genuinely genuinely believes there's nothing to ruin. Yeah, and I get that entirely. You you probably are right as far as this ep- this episode is concerned. But I do wonder if moving forward there is jealousy from Dell towards Rodney because Rodney is likely to succeed or certainly make more of his life because he's you know, 13 years younger. And actually, I think that some part of him subconsciously does, I think it's the fear of losing Rodney and that codependency does spur him to, although not maliciously try and sabotage stuff, have an effect in a way that means that he doesn't lose his sidekick. Yeah, I don't know. I feel feel like a lot of it, He's always got Rodney's best interests at heart, and if it all goes kind of, you know, Pete Tong, I've heard that generally isn't isn't Dale's fault for the most part. Certainly not directly, if although maybe indirectly. Um, did I? Where, where did you watch this? Did you watch an uncut version of this episode? Just the normal, what normal one? Where's that? What was cut? Yeah, just, just wondered if you got all the uh, the random, quite seemingly coming out of nowhere. Uh, rude jokes in the middle of the scene. Oh, what was that? The the you know show business people are all Stoke on Trent. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you want to watch the, your uh... Uh, you know got to watch your deaf and dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, oh, yeah, that it, was in there. Is that not on that, the UK book? Do you say UK gold things now either? I don't. I I I don't know because I've not watched those. But you I mean you could check it because you've got access to that. Oh, I'm going on the thing. Sorry. I'm actually going to go to UK TV Gold and look it up. Well, I'm actually just happened to be going to um, the episode. It's interesting, actually, because I'm on UK TV Gold and I've gone to Series 4 and the first episode, Happy Returns, the all the pictures for these are wrong. So the picture for Happy Returns has got Marlene and Boise in it. Marlene hasn't even been introduced yet. Um, a hole in one has got what I think is Holland back. It's got Buster Merrifield in front of some ships, but actually, it's rock and roll is actually David Jason in front of the band. That's actually quite a good shot. So yeah, they're clearly doing some weird stuff there. But yeah, let's have a little look at it's only rock and roll and see uh, and see if it's on there. Good pod. And it does involve it, so maybe if you 
inflict some Cockney rhyming slang, then you can get away with being un-PC. And... So one of the things that uh, Dell also talks about, which is just a bit of a, a coincidence, really, he talks about uh, Rodney, after he said about you know, Dell not wanting Rodney to succeed, he says his reply is that he would love to see him succeed and that he wants, uh, he'd love to see him in a Capri gear, which is the ironic part because you know, not too later they actually end up with a Capri gear for themselves. So, oh, that was quite a little Easter egg there, almost. Yes, yeah, the Capri gear comes up a lot, and it almost seems like a joke because I don't really, I didn't. It's such a weird thing, the old Capri gear. I never know what to make of it. Great car. <laughs> Is it? It's such a mental name because I'm thinking Capri Sun. <laughs> <laughs> it's Capri, isn't it? It's Capri. Yeah, yeah. it's Capri. Yeah. Um, so we get a little revisit to their mum's deathbed, and we get a really good line from Rodney here. She'd not say a lot on her deathbed. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the subject is, mum had something to say about it on her deathbed. <laughs> to spend her final few hours in this mortal realm doing nothing but rabbiting. <laughs> you are walking a bleeding tightrope here, Rodney. Hang on. Right, you remember last week we was having a row about whose turn it was go down a chipper, yeah? And you claimed that Mum said, on her deathbed, <laughs> send Rodney for the fish. Uh, which is a brilliant line, but Doyle quite rightly said he'd had a few, so, you know. He's certainly exploited things a bit more when he's he's had a couple of drinks. I admire his honesty there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but this is where it's all resolved, and, and he resolves it with 150 quid here, which, as we spoke about, is it's quite surprising that he's he's given him half of the money. I mean, I would say more often than not, Rodney probably does deserve half of what's going on because he's, he's put a lot of labour in. Even though we've said stuff to the contrary, there are certain times where he definitely deserves half. Uh, very few this is one of the few <laughs> times he deserves half because he's done all the work like in terms of nearly being killed and being embarrassed <laughs> this is one of the very few times basically the hazard pay I think he deserves I was expecting him to get 50 to 75 quid um, but Ronnie ends up with half the money and we head into the next scene and we're back into the Trotters flat um, Dell's on the phone to Monkey Harris, one of the characters that we never get to see. Um, but uh, but Harry, Monkey Harris is not up for the dolls at all, and and you know has kiboshed that idea. So Dell's still lumbered with these, frankly scary dolls. Yeah, I mean that basically the whole point of this phone conversation is to establish that a week has passed. Uh, that's kind of the purpose of this conversation. And this is one of my... I'm going to have one of my little bugbears here. The whole point of this conversation is to establish a week has passed, which is to try and make what happens next make sense. If you're going to have a moment where you literally get to make up whatever passage of time has passed that you want, if they'd made it a month, everything that's about to happen makes a ton more sense. Because a week makes no sense. I just don't... I, I just don't care. Like it... Within the storyline, I don't care if a day has passed and and what's about happened is unbelievable. Like at the end of the day, I didn't even I didn't even pick up that a week had passed um, in the storyline with the notes that I was making. The way I was paying attention, it went missed anyway. So for me, the timeline was 
irrelevant. I had nothing to do with it. Well, yeah, if, if you missed a week, it's almost better because then you just assume it's probably been a couple of weeks because that's what it would have had to have been for, you know, deals to be signed, out, you know, singles to be sold. But here they specifically say a week. I've had these dolls for about a week and you got the dolls the same day that he struck the deal with the band. And it's like, so you're literally claiming that all of this stuff that's about to happen happened in a week, which is completely impossible. Why would you specifically say a week? Why would you make it a, sh- a window of time that's too short for it to have actually happened? Either say nothing, and we'll assume it's at least a couple, or say a month, or at least a couple of weeks. Yeah, maybe. It seems weird. I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, if we want to scrutinise, and that's part of the stuff that we do do, and like, it's completely fine that you're doing that. But certainly part of the stuff I do. Yeah, but really, really, <laughs> I just don't. I just don't care that that so many things in this are unachievable. Realistically, there's probably one thing every other episode which is kind of unachievable, and I, I just don't care enough for it to be an issue in this. The fact that they have managed to do all that in a week. Fairly impossible, fairly improbable. Probably not impossible, but certainly impossible. Not, not impossible. What to hit twenty six in the charts a week after your first gig at a local pub? Oh yeah, I forgot forgot the charts bit. (laughs) That's the thing. Then that that, so so what happens is he turns on top of the pops, and a bunch of wallies are there singing their song, and they're number twenty six in the charts. So they have in a week, in fact less than a week, because he he got the dolls. And it was several nights later that they did some Paddy's Night. So in only a few days, maybe a week max, they've signed a deal, recorded a single, sold enough to make it to 26 in the charts, and are now doing Top of the Pops. Yeah, I just suspend belief for this. I, 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 just, don't, I just don't care enough about it. I'm completely un, uninvolved in the fact that the timeline realistically is unreasonable. It just it it just seems weird to specify it in a way that makes it impossible. Just don't say anything. We'll we'll make it up or say something that makes sense. It seems weird to specify an impossible amount of time. But you know, I've made my point. Let's move on. Yeah. yeah. So no matter what your opinion is on that, it certainly is somewhat implausible. But yeah, what are you gonna do? They, they they've certainly made some errors before, and it's not the last one that we're gonna be picking up on. But what we have is Dell sitting on his chair, looking towards the TV, and we get a very rare sort of camera angle. Not very often that we look at this, and I don't know if you noticed, you probably didn't, but the flat looks very small from this angle because previously, when we look at it from, you know, the stage slightly left, looking to the TVs it feels like there's a lot more space behind the TVs. Although, realistically, it wouldn't make sense to do so. But actually, the the set that is behind the TVs that runs along the wall isn't a right angle. It The room isn't square. And it's a really silly set thing that I noticed. But you know the the, the wall that runs from the bedrooms to the back of the TVs? Right, yeah. You would assume that the set that runs from that corner to the front door is straight. It's a square flat. It's blocks. But actually, the set is really off right angle. So it's a really weird perspective on what the flat would look like because that set isn't a square. It's greater than a right angle. And it kind of messed with my mind when I noticed it. Do you understand what I mean? 
barely, and I didn't notice anything when I saw it. So you, I'll be honest, you lost me. But uh, I'm assuming that, I'm assuming that made sense to someone somewhere. Do you understand the concept of what I'm saying? I mean, vaguely. Nevertheless, a little, a little set goof potentially, but it was something that I happened to see. It kind of weirded me out. Um, but Dale turns down the TV because uh, it's annoying him. But then, sort of second looks and realizes that the bunch of Wallies are on TV. Uh, Rodney walks in, uh, or certainly we hear Rodney come in, and Dell is panicking and and starts to turn the TV off. And uh, this bit is really brilliant from David Jason. I was laughing my tits off at this point. He's like so nervous, he's almost shaking, and just like nervously laughing at, at uh, Rodney. And then he stirs his tea with a cigar twice with two different cigars. Yeah, and he tries take, to smoke stops, it. throws it away, picks up another cigar, then puts that in the tea as well. <laughs> then tries, tries to smoke tries it. Smoke it, doesn't work, laughs at himself, and then drinks his tea, which has yes. now been stirred by two cigars. And the whole time he's just nervously laughing. I mean, yeah, that that whole brilliant. little bit is awesome. It's really, really good. The facial expressions are just yeah. next level. Dell is like actually broken. <laughs> <laughs> When he tries the tea and then spits it out, it's just is the real like tops off that little minute brilliantly. Um, but Dell says the TV's broken and gives him a little bit of a smack around, and and Rodney hinted to Albert to to wind him up about some broad that he's seen, and um, yeah, and Dell Del decides that he needs to make a really quick exit, so he's rushing to get his his coat and his jacket on and all this sort of stuff, and turns out Rodney is seen him on the old portable and come out absolutely livid um, saying you know they're in the charts and we get a French phrase from Dell and he says uh, Marc de Fabrique which quite quite simply is brand like a brand mark as it were uh, yeah brand yeah and yeah Ronnie says uh, they could have a smash hit on their hands and Somehow Dell spins it like uh, like it's Rodney's fault, saying that he you knows too easily swayed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a good angle. I mean, Dell's on the defensive. Then you need you need to think of something quickly. And uh, it's it's a very different but kind of awesome close, as Rodney says. I'm going to stick this right up your Jackson. <laughs> So, a properly fantastic episode, uh, really unique and brilliant concept. What did you uh, What did you think in, as a whole, Bob? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was fun. Uh, music isn't something that comes up that much in in Only Fools, and so it was interesting to have them talking about you know some different bands and ideas, and you know to see. I mean, Mental Mickey was just a crazy character, and we don't really see a character like that. I think ever again. Uh, so yeah, really fun and different from what we've had recently. You know, nice and light-hearted for the most part, apart from the small riot. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was great. I really enjoyed it. It was. It definitely was lived up to what I thought. And there's a couple of scenes in particular, like Dell on the phone, like the cigar and the tea, that are really like top draw scenes. Yeah, there's some. There's some really quintessential memorable moments in this and just the concept is 
the the episode does stand out in general and only falls for one reason or another but but part of it is the concept is very unique i really do think that the angle that dale's playing and and stuff is just a drawn from a really different circumstance to many others um but yeah really good properly funny episode as well lots of laughs really laugh out loud moments in this i've just thought we say it's unique but is there maybe some um, some uh, rehashing of some of these ideas in Stage Fright? Mm, not really. You know, pulling out pulling out a musical act out of nowhere, putting someone in front of the firing squad. Well, I th- as soon as you said that it was music and it doesn't get used very much, I I, ser- I straight away thought about stage fright, and obviously music is involved, and he has got other people into a club, but it's uh, it's an entirely different storyline. So I think the only common denominator realistically is music and him exploiting someone for the musical talent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, or that's what of... I mean the, the the exploitation of someone and putting them in kind of a a lose lose situation. It is the bit that I, I kind of find most interesting, but yeah, I can't wait to review that episode. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a yeah, that's a long way off yet. God, don't hold your breath for that one. Speaking long way off, though, I mean, I looked today, and I can't believe we're up to series four, and and now halfway through it as well. We're absolutely smashing through these. The weeks are really, really going quite fast. I mean, not too long we're in series five, and then the end's almost in sight. I'm, I don't want it to end. Yeah, it's funny that because we, we, when we post them and when we talk about them and stuff, we don't count our episode numbers. We say, you know, series four, episode four. So I actually very rarely think about how many episodes we've done. I actually don't know off the top of my head. I think it's like it seven, seven, eight. So this is our episode 28, this one. So... Nice. Yeah, we are. I don't know, We've gone over of, half, over half a year, you know. And how many episodes of Only Fools are there? When's when's? Uh, I guess it depends when you consider. If well, I suppose we will consider all of the episodes to be all of the episodes, but um, so there were sixty-four episodes. So we were actually kind of getting close to halfway. Oh, nearly at the old halfway house. Yeah, twenty-eight, six more. So f- series five is halfway. Crazy, but there's there's lots of additional. I mean, we're halfway in episodes, but actually, in terms of time, with loads of specials coming up and um, and loads of now extended episodes soon to come in the next couple mm. of series, we've certainly got a lot more work cut out for these last bits. It's going to get quite interesting. Yeah, we'll have to see. Interesting to see how long the uh, the episode our episodes get once the uh, once we're doing things like the specials. There's going to be a lot more to talk about, but. Uh... I think we've got a good system now with these 30-minute episodes. We're kind of, you know, between 40 minutes and an hour, depending. I think it works. So we look forward to uh, next week's episode. So episode five is Sleeping Dogs Lie. So this is actually the episode where we do get to meet Marlene, which is funny that UK Gold have used it for this episode when the next one she gets introduced. Um, But yeah, uh, I love dogs. Um, massive, massive dog, dog lover. So anything with a dog is a win for me. And Duke is uh, a particularly large dog, which I also love. I, I do love big dogs. Is he a Great Dane? He is a Great Dane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
um, which is the dog I want. When when I came to visit you in Norway at Christmas, we went up one of the mountains on the uh, on the tram or whatever you want to call it, and there was someone with a massive Great Dane, proper like standing four foot tall, big grey old. Full of character. I want that dog so bad, but I would definitely have Duke as a dog as well. Yeah, they are they are very cool dogs. But yeah, looking forward to that one. Uh, looking forward to meeting Marlene and uh, yeah, indulging in some dog loving. Nice. It's certainly a bit more obvious for the music this week. Um, There's plenty have... to choose from. To be fair, actually. So we obviously played uh, little excerpts of music throughout this episode. But realistically, there's only one that that really goes through. I probably would have played if if I could find a single of "Boys Will Be Boys" by a bunch of Wallies. I'd probably play it, but it doesn't it doesn't exist. Unsurprisingly, Isn't, so does, don't the don't the ordinary boys have a "Boys Will Be Boys" song? Yeah, they do have a. a but I'm not going to play them, am I? I mean, <laughs> no, get, I'm really glad you're not. Get off my podcast. Um, <laughs> So no, we're just going to go very simply with with the track that that is played by Der, which is The Bachelors and Diane. I actually quite like the track, and it certainly is a nostalgic track for me, purely because it's played in this episode. So do enjoy some of The Bachelors. It's 50, 50s, right, The Bachelors? 64, 1964. Oh, is it that late, is it? Because it's got a very 50s vibe to it, I thought. but Yeah, sort of, you know, post-50s. Um, yeah, so <laughs> that it's... is when the 60s are, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so enjoy The Bachelors, uh, Diane. Um, we'll see you next week for Sleeping Dogs Lie. Thanks for joining us, as always. Um, thanks for your input, Bob. Always fun. Great episode. Always a pleasure, Jay. Thanks very much. I enjoyed this one. Looking forward to the next one. Thanks very much, everyone. We'll see you next time. All right, take it easy and stay healthy, all. Thanks very much for listening to the podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook forward slash Only Fools Brothers or on Twitter, we're at Only Fools Bros. Or if you want to send us a longer message, you can email us at onlyfoolsbrothers at gmail.com. Also really appreciate it if you could give us some sort of rating or review on your podcast app of choice. Thanks very much. Goodbye. Goodbye.